Today's reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 8. Now the main point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there is already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown, shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which his mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, where I will make a covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbours or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. A while ago I was at a conference um, with a lot of people I knew, um, saw a lot of old friends, and it reminded me how, how important relationships are to us. But at the same time it reminded me of the difficulties you can get into in relationships. Uh, there was one friend there who, a little while before, I had, of, I had offended, and uh, while they said they, they have said they forgive me, um, I wonder, is it still on their mind? Do they think less of me? I saw another friend um, who, well, we're friends, but he, he gives off a sense of wanting me to be a certain way. Sort of, not, which isn't quite me. So there's sort of sense of having to sort of rise to perform a certain role and not be yourself. And then, of course, there's, there's insecurity. There are lots of groups of people, and um, it was easy to feel left out sometimes or to wonder if people liked others more than you, and, and that sort of thing. So guilt, not being yourself, insecurity. Relationships are the stuff of life, but we easily get them wrong. Now what about our relationship with God? If we're, if we're Christians, um, knowing God is the, is the very stuff of life. It is life. But how do we feel about knowing him? Guilt. We say God forgives us, but do you ever have a sense God's disappointed in you because of what you did the other day? Being yourself. We know God wants us to live in a certain way, but so often that feels unnatural and not me. Insecurity. 
We can certainly feel God likes others more than me. Other people are a bit more in with God than I am. Do you ever feel those sorts of things? I ask that because um, in our passage, our writer is describing the relationship with God that Jesus offers us. And he does it by um, quoting a promise of that relationship from the Old Testament. It's the second half of our reading um, uh, in the, the last paragraph. It's from Jeremiah, where God promises a new covenant. Covenant is the Bible word for relationship. And he's promising a new relationship, and, and we're going to see what it's like. First thing about this new relationship is there is true forgiveness. So various things are true in this relationship until we get to the very last bit, verse 12. These things are true for or because I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This, this relationship is founded on forgiveness. The thing is that phrase, um, he will remember their sins no more, is a bit odd, isn't it? Does that mean God will actually forget our sin, so he doesn't even know what we've done wrong. Well, in the Bible, God remembering things means he acts on the basis of it. I don't, I don't know if you, well, you know the Bible, but at the start of the Bible, God promises a land to Abraham and his descendants, and his descendants end up in Egypt, and we then read, God remembered his promise to Abraham. And that doesn't mean God um, had forgotten, and then saw the post-it note and thought, oh, I knew I'd, I knew I'd made a design to Abraham. It means he's going to act on the basis of it. He rem- remembering a promise means acting it out, bringing it about. Now that means not remembering a promise means not acting on the basis of it. So not remembering our sin means he won't act on the basis of our sin towards us. A little while ago, um, I mentioned I I offended somebody. I was rude to them in a meeting. I was trying to be funny. It wasn't funny. um, And and they were understandably upset. Uh, We had a bit of email correspondence about it. I apologised. I said I was very sorry. And he said, I forgive you. A few weeks later, I saw him face to face. And we were chatting very happily. And then I said, oh, by the way, thanks for the emails. Sorry about that. And he said, oh, hadn't even thought of it. Hadn't even thought of it. I mean, he knew about it, but he wasn't conscious of it. It wasn't in his mind. It wasn't impacting our relationship. He had forgotten it. And that's what we're talking about here. God has forgotten our sin. It doesn't impact our relationship. As far as our relationship with him goes, it's been forgotten. And isn't that what we want in relationships? I mean, a careless word, a thoughtless action, we so easily hurt each other, and I don't know if you ever find yourself wishing, ah, if, if only I hadn't done that, if only I hadn't said that. Well, in this relationship with God, if only can happen. 
Jesus is offering us true forgiveness where God forgets our sin and it's though it never happened. Secondly, in this relationship, there is true change. Um, Verse 10. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Now, God's law, or Ten Commandments, if you like, expresses God's character. It's an expression of what he loves and what he hates. But in the Old Testament, the law was on stone tablets. And if you held up the law to one of God's people, who was a a sinner and did things wrong, well, it, it was saying to them, this is what you should be like, which had the effect of saying, look how far short you fall. It was like holding up a mirror to somebody covered in mud. This is how dirty you are. But in this new covenant, God says, I promise to put my law inside you. In our minds and on our hearts. And if the law expresses God's character, that means God, God's nature is coming into us. And elsewhere we're told that happens by his spirit. His spirit comes into us to change us, to make us like him. Now that change won't be complete until heaven or new creation, when we're like God completely. But if you're a Christian, it starts now. God gives us his spirit and he starts to change us. Sin is still in us, it's pretty messy, it's a bit of a battle, but we start to become like God. And becoming like him is becoming who we were made to be. Back in Genesis, God made us in his image. We are to be like him. And so as he transforms us into his character, he is making us become the true us. Again, isn't that the sort of relationship we want? I think think the best relationships are where um, the other person helps us sort of be, be ourselves. There's something about what they say and uh, their example and the sort of dynamic between us which kind of brings out the best of us. It, we get the best version of ourselves. Well, that's what this is. God is changing us into our true selves. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it can feel unnatural sometimes but he's changing us into the true us, the person we were made to be. True change. And lastly, it's a relationship with true knowledge. And halfway through verse 10, God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. That phrase, I will be their God, they will be my people, comes throughout the Bible the description of being in relationship with God, but it keeps collapsing because of the problem of sin. But in this new relationship, God is saying, it will be fulfilled as you know me perfectly. And then we get a slightly odd phrase, verse 11, no longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know you from the least of them to the greatest. And at first that sounds like you don't need, or indeed shouldn't have, Teachers, which, which causes a question what I'm doing at the moment. 
Well, there's a sense in which we don't need teachers when this is fulfilled in the new creation because we don't need a sermon then, God will be in front of us. But there's also a sense in which it's true now. Um, in 1 John, the Apostle John writes, the anointing you received remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. The anointing refers to the Holy Spirit and he's saying because you have the Spirit, you don't need anyone to teach you to know the Lord because you know him for yourself. In the, in the old covenant, the old relationship, you couldn't access God directly. You always went through someone else, through a priest or a prophet. But God is promising in this new covenant relationship, you can have an unmediated relationship with God. You can know him directly, personally, intimately. That doesn't mean there's no role for teachers. God gives us teachers so we can know him better. But it's knowing God better for ourselves. Notice Jeremiah says, all of God's people will know him from the least to the greatest. I think we can say that means if you're a Christian, trusting in Jesus, no one knows God better than you. Now, some people know more about God. Some people appreciate God more. Some people enjoy him more. Some people have a more vital relationship with him. Yes, definitely. But no one knows God better than you in the sense of no one is any more accepted by God than you. No one has more direct access. Like a child has been adopted into a family. Uh, they don't know their new dad as well as the other kids, the other children. They don't know his jokes, they don't know how he likes his coffee, but they can run and jump into his lap as much as any of them. They have direct access to their father. And it's the same with us and God. Some people know more about him, some people appreciate him more and live that out more, yes. But we are equally accepted. Insecurity in relationships is a horrible thing. The sense of an inner circle we're not in, being left out. It's not like that with God. There is no cue to God. There is no inner circle. There is no one more in with God than you are. Because you are completely accepted. So, relationships. The stuff of life, precious and wonderful things. But guilt, not being yourself, insecurity, can always muck it up. Here is a new relationship God is promising us in Jesus. True forgiveness, your sin is forgotten. True change, God is making you who you were made to be. True knowledge, we know him directly and personally. And this amazing relationship is all because of Jesus. And next week and the week after, we're going to go on to see how Jesus made that possible. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing promise of a wonderful and perfect relationship with you of forgiveness and change and knowledge. And we pray you would open our eyes to the Lord Jesus and all he has done 
to bring it to us. And may we grasp it in him, in his name. Amen.